different. Some forces stopping um trying to not um prevent this meeting from happening, but it's gonna happen. I know mm -hmm. it it really is. It's amazing. Okay, so I'm Dr. Morgan. I'm a family nurse practitioner, and I am talking to Dr. Denise Jones today. She's a clinical psychologist, and we will be discussing childhood trauma from a psychologist perspective. So we had two discussions with Dr. Darby and we addressed childhood trauma from a spiritual perspective. So today we're gonna to go a little bit deeper. Dr. Jones, I just wanted to tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do on a daily basis in your office as a psychologist? Um, as a psychologist, I work with a lot of different people. I'm ranging from three or four years old to 80 years old. Um, a lot of people that I work with are have a significant history of trauma, even really not realizing that they've um, had trauma but and don't understand why they are acting or behaving in the way that they are. But the root of it is mostly due to trauma. I do therapy. I do psychological evaluations, provide diagnoses transfer clients to um, psychiatrists. That's, that that's pretty my day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. So childhood trauma has resulted in many dysfunctional relationships in children and adults. Most cases of physiological illnesses occurred as a result of triggers from psychological events from our past. How do you define childhood trauma? Childhood trauma, I would say, is um, an emotional shock to the individual, so severe that they are not able to handle it, and it causes significant distress, and it just, it makes it hard for them to process or understand what's going on. Okay, so... What are some of the chronic behavioral patterns that you see in children who suffer from childhood trauma? And I know that this is in different age groups because for like a smaller child, you might notice them start having enuresis or regress to um, previous um, stages of development. Uh, a school age child might behave a different way and teenager might behave differently. So what are some of the patterns that you see in children and then also go over into adults? A lot of times it depends on the type of trauma. If it's physical trauma, the child, even at a young age, um, if they've been physically abused or witnessed domestic violence, those children tend to be more aggressive than the average child of that age. Um, they may be um, withdrawn whiny, hard to um, comfort, um, especially if the parent is the abuser and the parent is also trying to comfort them, that child is going to be difficult to manage and they're going to be have some attachment issues. Um, as a, if they're school age and they've experienced some physical abuse or exposure to violence, 
Um, you see a lot of classroom disruption. They're argumentative with the teacher. They are aggressive toward their peers. Um, a lot of them have some emotional disruptions, especially um, toward the end of the day when it's time to go home. You see a lot of kids, they become very distressed, have anxiety because they know what they're expecting once they return home. They don't know if the parent is going to be okay or in a bad mood and take it out on them. So it causes a lot of distress for them. Teenagers, boys, aggression, um, drugs, drinking. For females, they may be hypersexual, um, just trying to find love, trying to get some comfort in any way that they can. And so they're if a boy is nice to them, okay, whatever it takes to keep you being nice or for you not to leave me. So you have those issues. Sexual trauma, that's a different um, thing. Like you said before, in your issues, that's, that's a really common um, factor regarding um, sexual abuse or molestation. A, even if babies, a long time ago, I worked for CPS and there was this baby, like a year old, who was being sexually abused and just really cried all the time, just couldn't be comforted, wouldn't eat. It was just a, a lot. And so even a child that young, something that dramatic, they have no voice at all. And so the only thing they can do is cry and be irritable. And so with that negative, with that type of temperament, it just causes, adds on to other abuse. If the mother can't calm the child down, it often leads to physical abuse. So it just adds on to that. Children who are a little bit older, um, grade school, they, they may be hypersexual. They may touch kids at school. They may talk about sex. They may expose themselves to um, their peers because, I mean, that's what's happening to them, so it's okay. And also, they have trouble making it to the bathroom, and they're afraid and embarrassed to say, and so it causes a whole lot of behavior problems because if you're using a bathroom on yourself, your peers are going to make fun of you. And so not just the sexual trauma that you're trying to deal with and process. Now you have this other thing. You're embarrassed. You're, you can't make friends. People don't want to be around you because you have these issues. Middle school, middle school, high school. Yeah, a lot of hypersexuality. Boys, they may explore with both sides, with boys and girls, depending on who's abusing them. They may have sex with women because that's that's who who's abusing them. A lot of boys, they become prostitutes, very promiscuous in that area because, well, if I'm going to get abused, let me let it be my choice. And so with females, drugs, alcohol, running away from home, um, hypersexual, just going from person to person having sex, even with men, 
And so even now it's really bad because having a sugar daddy is so um, popular and made to seem like the thing to do. So, uh, well, my daddy's having sex with me, so I might as well go get this old man and get something from it. So the next part of the question was that the behaviors in the pattern in adults. I can see where everything could lead up to certain behaviors that we see in adults. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So in, adu in adults, it's like people have a hard time forming relationships. Exactly. They, if they're abused as a child, they oftentimes, if they haven't dealt with that, they often end up in abusive relationships as adults. They, um, are, are yeah they do a lot of um things that they probably wouldn't do if they hadn't been molested or physically abused the average person doesn't want to be hit but it's been yeah. normalized to them so and i, I mean, see where suicide could be a result of this yes. chronic situation they don't know how um, who to turn to how to resolve this problem and you said something very interesting about the the kids. They're going back home to the abuser. And the only way for them to express themselves is just to cry, be irritable. Some of them might cut themselves, bang Definitely. their heads on walls. And now that you've said this, everything came, you know, came clear to me when I go to certain facilities and I see little kids, I'm like, what would, what would they be doing in here? And they won't talk. They're completely shut off. And it takes a lot of work to get them to need to open to the psychologist. Right. You're exactly right. I worked, um, I did a lot of work in a residential treatment facility. And there was this one um, girl, she's probably 11 or 12. I worked with her for like six months before she finally talked about the sexual trauma that she experienced. I knew it was there. We would get almost to that point and she would she would revert back and change the subject. Oh, but wow. yeah, a lot of a lot of self-harm, a lot of anger, rage, because they just they're too embarrassed to talk about it, yes. but it's too much for them to keep in. Okay. As parents, we do have uh, expectations for our children and we want them to outperform us, our achievement. Um, just shifting a little bit on childhood trauma that might stem from parental pressure. Should parents accept their children's academic performances? <laughs> you know, you're spending money on these kids to go to college. <laughs> it's not a better get it right and pass this course one time or else. We, exactly. we do that without knowing that we are putting a lot of uh, pressure on our kids, causing some amount of trauma. Should yes, we exactly. acknowledge their 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 um ability? Maybe look into other avenues that they might be good at instead of going to university? Yes. I mean myself i take my daughter all the way to this special school downtown for high school and girl you should be doing way better than you're doing i could sleep later i could go to work earlier there are a lot of things i could be doing but we do have to recognize 
why are they not performing the way that we want them to? Are they doing the best that they can? Or is something else going on? Or is this just not the right environment for them? And so I think it really just stems on a conversation. We talk to them, ask them questions, make them feel comfortable being honest. I I don't like school. And so I'm just doing just enough to, to get out. And so, if, okay, you don't like school. What What do you want to do? And how can I help you get to the next level mm-hmm. so that you can be a productive citizen? So I understand that. But what if the child doesn't really know what they want to do? For instance, my daughter, she told me she wants to travel the world. And I said, great, you're going to be a flight attendant. She said, no, I want to be the passenger on the plane. <laughs> so... Um, that's not realistic, right? For her to be the passenger on the plane because somebody has to pay for that trip. So when a child reaches a certain age and they're not ready, they don't know what they want to do, do we put a time frame on uh, on them to say, okay, by X, Y, Z time, I'm expecting you to know what you want to do. You should be making some serious decisions about your life. Because, you know, suicide is very high in college students and high school students because at high school they're now transitioning from teenager to to adults and they have to make the decision to go to college or get mommy or daddy mad and they're in college they're not performing the way they should mommy and daddy still gonna be mad so sometimes they don't know any other way out more than just to end this correct i think Certainly, there should be a timeline, but if they're not ready to go to college, then okay, you don't have to go to college. You can take your first semester off, take the first year off, but you do have to work. You do have to do something. You have to be productive. You can't just lay in your room, play video games or watch TV or make TikTok videos all day. So we have to help them to channel a healthy behavior that is sustaining and realistic as an adult now. You're no longer a child. Exactly. I mean, that is our responsibility as their parent is to help them be an adult. And if they're not ready, hmm, why aren't you ready? Maybe they need to go to therapy. Maybe they need to talk to a career counselor or somebody like that to help them figure out some things. Maybe they're depressed or just don't have the motivation that they need. Yes. And so um, a behavior therapist could help with that. Okay. So, you know, your your role is very, very important, Dr. Jones. And it's a very underutilized service. People only come when they're forced to go. You need to go see a therapist. And once they get that right, up, they go. But I think yeah. your service could help a lot of us try to identify what our trauma is, identify the triggers and ways how to deal with the triggers to to deal with these when they come. Yes, but people have a negative outlook on therapy. You don't have to come to therapy just because you're having problems or because you're depressed or whatever. Sometimes you just need somebody to talk through a certain situation. You're stuck in a career. You're not happy about it. Your family's like, girl, you're making that money. You you have to stay there. But you need someone outside to just 
bounce ideas off of, help you make some different decisions. And you're not crazy if you go to see a therapist. Exactly. But back to trauma, yes, a lot of us as adults are functioning through trauma. We haven't dealt with it. We try to pack it down, but that doesn't work. I do a lot of um, bariatric um, psychological evaluations. And one of the questions on there is, do you have a history of childhood physical or sexual abuse? And you can see the women, their whole body change. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them will start to tear up and say, I thought I was over that. I thought I was past that. I wonder if that's why I'm still having issues, intimacy issues with my husband. I wonder if that's why I've been married three times or can't keep a relationship. So even though you try to put it, push it to the back of your mind, it's still there. And if you really haven't dealt with it, it comes up. You know what just came to me, Dr. Jones? I'm going to bring you back on and I'm going to invite people to join the Zoom. Maybe this is not for Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very deep, very, very deep um, topic. Very, very deep issue because it is so realistic in so many ways. And, you know, we experience trauma without knowing that we are going through trauma. And adults, we become functional, traumatic people. Yes. We function, just like a drug addict, we become a functional drug addict. I have have no patients who function from Monday to Friday, and Friday evening they check themselves into ER, and they're in the hospital for the weekend, um, saying that they're in pain, getting narcotics around the clock, and then Sunday evening, I'm ready to go home, and they go back to their life. And they do that every weekend. So they're functional drug addicts. So we have people with trauma. We have functional people with trauma. And sometimes people behave a certain way. You know, for me, I might encounter some patients and I might ask the patient a simple question and the patient just go off on me. And I'm sitting there like, what did I say to this patient? Why is this patient behaving like that? What I said to the patient is a trigger. Exactly. And the patient react to the trigger. And even some of the shooting, school shooting, stuff that is happening out there, people are responding and reacting to triggers. And that is why we have to be very careful what we say to people, how we say to people, de-escalate situation when it happens, because we don't know what trauma that person comes with. Exactly. You're exactly right. uh, My parents divorced. I was 11 or 12. And I knew it was sad, but who knows anything about trauma at that age, right? But I was like, oh, I never want to get married. I'm just going to be by myself the rest of my life because I don't want to go through the pain that I saw my mom go through. But um, as an adult, when I started dating and having a relationship, I was like, that was trauma. Yes. That was a very, very traumatic experience for me. But I didn't realize it. I had an eating disorder after that. It was like I had everything. I held it all in instead of expressing it and talking about it. And so that's that's what hurts us. We don't talk about it. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed or, oh, that makes us look dumb or whatever. 
we don't want to be vulnerable. That is that's a big thing. I was vulnerable at that moment and I got hurt. So I'm not going to do that again. What's the point, right? So yeah, it's trauma comes in a lot of different forms. And sometimes we don't even think about it. People experience trauma at work. Yes. Constantly getting passed over for promotions, constantly getting passed over over for promotions, getting the messy sorry jobs that no one else wants so that's trauma yes um talking about you know going to therapy i've always heard people say therapists do not solve your problem they sit down and listen and let you solve the problem yourself what role does a therapist play in the session we play a role different types of therapy but mainly we I'm more humanistic and cognitive behavioral. So I believe that we all have what we need in us to heal ourselves. And so, yes, we're going to work together as a team, talk about what's going on, figure out why. And as you a give team, suggestions, you give suggestions. Oh, absolutely. Give okay. a lot of suggestions, homework, because some things the person would never think of but I'm listening to you I have training did this happen to you how did you feel when this happened and then it's like oh my gosh you're able to put two and two together it makes sense now okay Okay. so it's a lot of corroborating effort and working together a lot of empathy listening, understanding, and really just building that person up to do what a lot of times they know they already need to do, have, but just don't feel like they have the strength to do. So what if the, um, the person is getting the therapy from a certain behavior and they are, say for instance, a couple, the bad one, and you need to nip it in the bud and let the person acknowledge that they have certain behaviors that need to be addressed but if you say that you might hurt the person feeling it might not come across as therapeutic do you still tell the person or how how do you get that out you say it you say it from a place of empathy so i've noticed you've been acting in this certain way tell me why you think you act like that when you do these things do you get a positive reaction or a negative reaction How do you think it makes the other person feel? How does it make you feel when you act like that? Oh, it makes me feel powerful. Why would doing this particular behavior make you feel powerful? Oh, well, that's what my dad did to my mom. So it all goes back. So you can address, address any issue. And as long as you're doing it with empathy, it works out. I haven't had any issues. Okay, great. So you are in Texas. And what if people are watching need to speak to you in particular? You have a very calm voice, you know, soothing. You look like somebody who I can really talk to. Are other uh, people in other states out of Texas can be treated by you? Yes. Um, Since COVID, teletherapy has opened it up and the state of Texas um, allows us to um, work with 
a lot with people from uh, other states. Okay, great. Um, mm -hmm. Where can you, patients find you? Um, healing Hearts. Uh-huh. Um, MHS.com. I'm pretty sure that's it. Is there a phone number for your office? Yes, 713-859-9647. Okay. Thank you so much. And we're going to bring you back on. Thank and whatever you. is happening out there on Facebook, you're going to be on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what's blocking it. Your voice needs to be, um, needs to be heard on that platform. Okay. I'm going to um, save this recording and I'm going to put it out there because there's so much more that needs to be discussed. And I thought I was at the end of childhood trauma, but you have raised some points where, trust me, we need to go deeper. And um, mm -hmm. if you are available, Dr. Jones, I am more than happy to have you back on to discuss different aspects of this child trauma. I'm always here to help. I love this. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming. Thank I you, appreciate you. And you did excellent. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you're gonna answer those questions, yes, and you did well in answering those questions. Okay, all, all right, right. Yeah. have a great day. Bye bye. You do the same. Bye.